When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back to it, back from a bit of a holiday breather. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, Connor Clark. Is, does he have wings on? He's in the deep end of the pool, man. He's smiling. <laughs> Wait till the first screw-ups. I'm kidding. All right, good to have Connor in. Elijah right now is uh, minding shop, and we are loaded up. It is Buffalo week. We'll... Dive in on a Tuesday coming up in about 20 minutes. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic will be with us. We'll talk with Mitch, get his take. Mitch is going to be pretty prominently featured, I'm I'm pretty sure, tonight on BTN's special on the Tunnel Walk uh, with uh, 9-11 and just how chilling that was. Uh, the, the, The Saturday game against Rice that was obviously canceled when the terrorists attacked in in 2001 and and then the game got moved to a Thursday night and you see footage of it you've seen more footage of it with the 20th anniversary of the first responders fire police and uh, the way that Nebraska absolutely crushed um, that moment in time with uh, with law enforcement and, and fire coming out uh, with with flags, so it was was chilling. You had the the flag that covered Memorial Stadium on the field, so that's on our minds. Mitch Sherman was was part of that that coverage of Nebraska then, but specifically his involvement with uh, BTN tonight. So we'll talk uh, some some football thoughts with Mitch as well in hour two. Jacob Padilla going to be with us. Jacob with Hale Varsity does an amazing job covering Nebraska football, but also Husker Volleyball. Busy week for Husker Volleyball as uh, they will touch gloves with Creighton tomorrow night. Get Jacob's takeaway on that. And then it's another Tuesday with Kaz, Rick Kaczynski, some college football thoughts from a busy weekend, and also some takeaways on Nebraska, some thoughts on Buffalo uh, that is on the way. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can email chris at halevarsity.com and get a hold of us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, we will dive in now. So you, you've had a little bit of time to digest. Uh, Buffalo Week is here. Not a lot to ring the bell at when it comes to Fordham. But I'll say this, uh, it was a chance to 
to learn a little bit more about yourself if you're Nebraska football. It was a chance to to go compete against somebody else versus your own guys, right? And uh, the other part of this, too, is Nebraska got to put a lot of bodies in, and that is going to be big next week against Oklahoma, this week against Buffalo, but further down the uh, the season, it'll be big. Uh, one concern I still have, and, and maybe concern's too large a word, but it is Nebraska's offensive line. I know Nebraska ran for a boatload of yards. I know they went nuts with big plays uh, against Fordham. They're, they're supposed to. Nebraska did what they're supposed to do, and that's better than the alternative, right? Because two weeks ago, they didn't. They didn't do what they were supposed to do against the Illini. So you got that uh, checked off. Okay, beat little Fordham. Thank you. Moving on. And now what do you do against Buffalo? What do you do against Buffalo and their athletic front? What do you do if you're Nebraska football? Because the the whole engine of this offense is going to be the offensive line. And let's hear from, from Greg Austin because he's the guy I need to know direction of the offensive line i'm kind of concerned if i'm a nebraska fan and it's it's such a gray area isn't it where you got a guy or a position that may be struggling and you've got a a position group that saw something different how did that work out how did they react against illinois on offense not well how did they react uh against fordham well it, it took him about a quarter but Nebraska was able to adjust and react and then fix, right? Get a game plan together, go to work, and you saw them do what they wanted to do. You saw them run the football. You saw them protect Adrian. You saw wideouts, uh, specifically Ray, get open. But the thing that's concerning is, is the slow start, right? Nebraska didn't come firing out of the gate. Uh, they, they, they started slow and sluggishly against Illinois. I think the defense will be good enough to kind of carry or take care of in a lot of games if your offense doesn't come out firing. But if you're Nebraska, it'd be really cool if you came out on fire. If you came out and just jumped on somebody offensively. That's what every football coach wants. That's what every football fan desires. I get it. But that's kind of what's next for Nebraska for me is can they come out and be – prepped and then go execute i think they can be prepped yes can they go execute it or is some of the preparation oh wow this defense threw us a curveball uh let's uh let's readjust and honestly i thought there should have been more push by the offensive line it got there they did a better job of holding their blocks that got the run game going downhill in the form of step but you can't you can't come out slow against Buffalo. Sure as hell can't come out slow against Boomer Sooner. Uh, they will <laughs> blood in the water. So Greg Austin spent some time today. We'll hear from him now on the offensive line. Here is GA on the Fordham performance. Pretty solid interior, you know, uh, defensive line. But, uh, you know, I uh, got an opportunity to work those fit of the blocks and, you know, uh, uh, work 
the adjustments that we needed to make. You know, um, so it came out a little bit different than uh, what they had shown from spring, but nevertheless, you know, worked the process and, and making adjustments as well. So um, it was good. A lot of guys got in. Um, wish we, the wish our, you know, that third line had gotten a little bit more, but. Uh, uh, if we had better, better, we had a faster start. Probably would have uh, happened. He's right. Listen, uh, faster start is is going to be key. And let's dive into that a little bit further. More from Greg Austin. Why the reason for the slow start? Here's more from Nebraska's run game coordinator and offensive line coach. Oh man, we had to make a couple of adjustments. You know, there were some things that we um, that we were seeing uh, that uh, they hadn't shown. You know, uh, but nevertheless, um, you know, some of that is, you know, we got to start faster, and then the other, uh, the other of it is, you know, you got to get to the sideline and you know, kind of make the necessary adjustments that you need to make uh, in order to get the, get everybody on the same page. You know, whether it's the offensive line, the offensive line, and running backs, tight ends, and everybody else, kind of connected, you know, uh, as to what we were trying to get accomplished. So the the key point for Nebraska football was that P word, right? Did you see progress? Tell you what, from the from the fan base and everybody understood who is and what you beat. You you won and people were partying, right? People were happy, people felt good, uh people were having a good time down in the rail yard and, and about everywhere you you popped in to say hey to old friends or meet new ones. Uh, downtown or, or wherever, people were, were joyous again. That was awesome, and the the weather totally cooperated. But as you look forward to Buffalo here, uh, did you get done what you needed to get done as a Nebraska football team? You won 52-7, to seven, the score that everybody loves, right? You go back to that Colorado-Nebraska Halloween game, it was 52-7. to seven. That jarred my memory. But from a progress as a line did that happen if you're Greg Austin and Elijah will talk here in a moment about you know at what point do you and you got a week of practice and you got a week of practice and a game Saturday against Buffalo that you need to win and then you'll have three games under your belt to make decisions if you need to go a different direction or make some changes or do you have all right so-and-so's doing okay could we get better play out of somebody else. And I think may, maybe some some elements of that offensive line will bounce back and be better going into a third game. Practice makes perfect. The more you play, the better you get. But they're going to need to show it against Buffalo's front and how athletic they are. And uh, head coach Maurice for Buffalo, guy's been at a lot of spots with a lot of good defenses uh, and was supposed to be the guy calling the shots at Michigan as co-coordinator until – uh, this this gig opened up, but here is Greg Austin on on the progress made by the O line. You know, um, certainly there's an opportunity for us to go out there and and, and work uh, a lot of our schemes, some of our basic. Uh, basic schemes, you know, um, versus those guys and uh, and see it, you know, uh, with different fits, different backer fits. Number 47 is a good player, you know, um, so certainly um, he gave us, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of work, you know, if you will. But, uh, you know, there was some progress that, that was made, especially, you know, I look at the beginning to the middle and the end of the game uh, and how we were able to settle down 
figure out what they were doing and then make the necessary adjustments and, you know, fit our blocks better and finish them better. That's it. He nailed it. You had to finish and hold your blocks better uh, on teams like Fordham. Andy emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. This is a good question. So does Nebraska, does Nebraska fan panic or have deep concern considering how bad University of Texas San Antonio beat Illinois? Um, they beat Illinois on the road. Uh, well, Andy couldn't tell me what University, UTSA stands for. It's not an ATM. It's not an insurance company. It's the University of Texas San Antonio and uh, Uncle Fester i.e. Coach uh, Coker, Larry Coker, Uncle Larry, remember him with Miami, who got gifted a national championship in 2001, 2002? Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he was uh, leading that program. Yeah, you're absolutely teed off if you're a Nebraska fan because you, you lost to Illinois, and that loss is going to look horrific because they're not good. They're not good, and it's not like they dominated you. You gift-wrapped that thing. I guess that's the only answer I got for you, Andy. I think it reignites your anger and frustration as a fan that you lost to those guys. What I will say about college football here is that it's not it's like wild. It's not like this means UTSA is a better team than Nebraska. Um, it, it means that they are a solid team, and I think they could probably give Nebraska a run for their money. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it's not like oh, UTSA beat Illinois, who beat Nebraska, therefore UTSA will beat Nebraska. That's not how college football works at all. There's football players down in Texas. Uh, it's a fertile ground. It's kind of like how we talked about Scott Frost at UCF. There's more talent to find mm-hmm. down in Texas, close to home. Uh, so that UTSA team, I'm sure, is a good team. But let's not discount the fact that they had a week of film that. Illinois had against Nebraska that Nebraska did not have preparing for Illinois. Uh, I don't think Shouldn't that means, mattered. I don't think that means that I'm not trying to excuse Scott Frost and the coaching staff here from having a bad game plan, but UTSA uh, had a much better idea of what Illinois was going to be coming out and running on Saturday. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it's a little disheartening, um, but let's, <laughs> let, 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 let's not, let's not come out here and be like, Oh, UTSA. I mean, this means Nebraska's worse than UTSA. It's not that at all. No, it just, it just, reinforces how bad that opening week zero was for Nebraska, how little preparation there was, and more to it. They had the little execution that went in. I think you saw Nebraska hone in and find something to lean on. We always try and do a three and out the first segment after a ball game. One, Nebraska gained confidence. Two, they were able to choose to lean on the run game. And three, hey, they made adjustments. Okay? That's big. The staff people complain, and I get it, about lack of adjustment. How do third quarters go for Nebraska? Not well a lot of times, right? It's okay to keep doing what you're doing until they stop you, but there's some some really bright minds in the Big Ten coaching-wise, and they're going to try and fix things. Now, Nebraska's next challenge is to A, be right, and go to town on Buffalo out of the gate offensively and defensively, snuff them out big time. If it's one of these games where, okay, here's another curveball, you absolutely have to be able to make your adjustments quicker, be right, and and get your kids ready. I, I'm anxious to see where the O-line goes because, again, that is, that's the biggest thing I was watching 
the run game, i.e. leaning on the on the on the O line, and what am I getting on that left side? Nebraska's able to run along the right side quite a bit. Okay. Good. You got one side, you want to be able to run to both sides. I think Turner Corcoran uh is is gonna get back to, to his normal self, at least his Rutgers self. But I'm interested here. What's what's the week of practice look like at left guard? Uh, Piper won that job, busted his tail to win said job. Is he going to keep that job? Uh, you have Brant Banks that moved inside uh, for a lot of that fourth quarter. He is a monster. He is very mobile and athletic. And you're facing a mobile and athletic front from Buffalo. Hickson obviously has played left guard before. So, and then there's Bando, uh, Elijah's bro. So th- there are options there if if it's not getting done in pass pro. Good stuff. Great to be with you out of Tuesday. Mitch Sherman's next. Hail Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good to have you in on a Tuesday. Almost said it was Wednesday. We're all cleaning up from the holiday weekend. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's uh, welcome in Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, how was the, the weekend? Thanks for the time. Good to spend time with you today. Good to be back in a Memorial Stadium full of fans. Enjoyed that. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, kind of a... Oh, it's a holiday weekend, but it didn't really, really feel like it uh, with uh, the work that was that was there. Um, I'm not complaining, though. No, exactly. I mean, it was awesome to to see fans. You're right on about Saturday, and then uh, yesterday. You know, a, a good vibe from Nebraska. I think they're really focused on Buffalo. Okay, uh, concerns from from the Fordham game, if any, and then some compliments from the Fordham game. What'd you like Saturday? Definitely still concerned about the punt returns. I think that, uh, that's fairly obvious after Cam Taylor-Britt uh, made another uh, execution error in, in fielding a punt, led to a turnover for the second consecutive game. And, and, you know, we've had three of those now from Cam going back to the Iowa game last December. So interesting to hear Scott Frost uh, comments yesterday about that, that that he's still the guy. I you know, I, I I don't know. Um, we didn't see more of Cam uh, after that play, which was on the first first punt of the second half for Fordham. I I, I I guess I don't know what to make of that comment. I, I I think it would be be time to to sit him down and and let him focus on his other responsibilities. Maybe he can get a shot later on. If you have other sure-handed guys, I think you put them out there because right now I think it's bothering him, uh, bothering Cam, and, and affecting his play a little bit. So uh, in, on defense, even um, not that he was needed a ton on defense against Fordham, but he will be for sure coming up here soon. Maybe a little concerned about the offensive line. Um, they did a good job in pass pro for sure. Uh, Buffalo didn't. I'm sorry, uh, Fordham didn't get uh, didn't get pressure on on Martinez and Smothers. But I uh, would like to see a little better push um, moving the line of scrimmage. That's a team that Nebraska should dominate at the line of scrimmage. And it wasn't always there. There were, there were uh, especially in the, in the first half, there were, there were a lot of uh, uh, stalemates at the, at the line. So those are concerns. 
what looked good, a lot looked good for Nebraska. Um, I like the uh, uh, the turnovers that were created by the secondary. Like the uh, the run pass ratio that Nebraska finished up with, 300 yards on on uh, on the run, 300 yards in the passing game. Can't complain at all about that. I thought Adrian Martinez played a good game. Um, you know, sometimes people just want to pile on the quarterback and and point out the things that he doesn't do well, and and he played well, uh, made good decisions. He had a lot of time to throw, but he looked like he was going through his progressions. I didn't see him throwing off his back foot. He looked fast when he decided to run the ball, decisive, good on the option pitch. You know, he picked up first downs when needed in the run game. So a number of good things, a lot of good things for, from Adrian. And, and maybe that's the Adrian that we're going to see this season. I, I thought going into the year that that was the between the, the Adrian from game one and, and game two, that's the guy that I expected to see most of, most of this year. So um, let's see what happens now for the rest of this month. Um, and, uh, you know, defensively, uh, for the most part, I thought it was a good performance. I thought uh, Nebraska uh, did what it wanted to do on the defensive side, um, kept uh, kept things in check, kept things in front of them, and 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 did not allow uh, did not allow big plays. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic Hale Bar City Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, I, I think you nailed uh, the uh, the concerns and the uh, the things to be happy about if you're a Nebraska fan now. When it comes to the offensive line, and, and we played a little bit of Greg Austin earlier in the day, from earlier in the day, and, and I'm anxious to get his take because you, you want to try and get these guys to gel, and he talked about that, but you still got to kind of keep an eye on, all right, do I have my five best, or is there another option to go at, uh, at a certain position um, that, that maybe someone would, would be better? I. It's a tough ask. That's his job as a line coach, and, and ultimately it translates into Adrian either throwing off his back foot or looking super comfortable and looking like Adrian because he had all day on Saturday, and then you get a, a run game to get downhill with Step. I mean, he was he was really nice. But um, what's what's the jumping-off point where you, okay, you don't start fast, either part of that's due to our game plan or, or guys weren't getting it done at the line of scrimmage, at what point do you move on and kind of hit reset with the five who you thought you had during fall camp to maybe go in a, a different direction? Yeah, I think it's worth examining for Nebraska. I don't know that there's an obvious change that you need to make. I don't, I, you know, I think the the left side of the line struggled some in the opener against Illinois, and part of that I think was Turner Corcoran coming back from injury, and you know you were rotating in. Uh, Brant Banks, you know, he started at that left tackle spot. Um, in his second game, Banks played some guard uh, while Bando, Brock Bando, is is out um, with an illness. Um, you know, Piper hasn't been the most consistent guy um, in, in two games, although I think he was better in, in week two than he was in week one. And, and some of that for sure has to do with the competition. It's hard to know when you see the improvement that some of the linemen made from week one to week two, you know, like the team overall, how much of it had to do with going against a much weaker opponent. So we'll get some, some better sense of that here this week and certainly next week. I, I, you know, I don't look at it and say, okay, there's an obvious spot where they need to make a change, in part because I'm not sure who that, mm-hmm. that next guy in would be. Banks, I think, is in a good role as somebody who comes in and, and can, can play all over the offensive line. Um, and he hasn't done anything in the, two, in, the, in the two games where he's been out there to make me say, okay, this guy needs to be a starter. Um, right now, Bando is out. You got uh, Hickson, you know, who's important in a backup role. Um, 
So I, you know, I think they're set with these five guys. This is what they've got to make work. They do, they do want to continue to uh, to cultivate some depth. Liked what I saw from Teddy Prohaska in a, in a short time um, on Saturday, but I, I don't know that he's your answer as a starter right now. Down the road, yes, but uh, right now, um, you know, I think he's he's valuable as a reserve maybe he ends up playing more than four games this year um, right now i think they'd like to play him in four games uh, you may need him in more though especially if there's any kind of an injury at offensive tackle mitch sherman's with us on hail varsity radio mitch uh, a thought here on buffalo what uh what could pose problems with nebraska on saturday and uh a quick thought also after your buffalo take i need to you're going to be featured tonight with the Big Ten Networks remembering 9-11, specifically uh-huh. Nebraska's tunnel walk. So give me a thought on Buffalo real quick and then your role on tonight's show. Yeah. Um, well, they're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to control the clock. And this is a team, like Scott Frost said, that knows how to win. Um, they, they've won a lot over the last couple of years. Um, Mac uh, runner-up a year ago, lost in the Mac championship game. And they're going to want to uh, to control the the tempo and, and and make that Nebraska defense work to stop the run. Um, and then there's also the element of surprise. This is um, much like what Nebraska had in front of it two weeks ago against Illinois. This is a coaching staff that's new, doesn't have a lot on tape. Uh, Wagner game, it's better than nothing, but uh, Wagner was a um, far inferior opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you want, you'd want to know more, uh, I'm sure Nebraska would, uh, about Buffalo going into this game. So there's going to be some element of, uh, of, uh, of guessing a bit. I know we don't want to hear that after, uh, after the <laughs> hand wringing from last week, but, um, it's a, it's a reality. Um, on the, uh, the big 10 show. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's worth, worth Nebraska fans checking out tonight. It's, um, a remembrance of 20 years ago in 9-11, Nebraska played, of course, uh, the first major college football game, the first football game, period, major football game, college or NFL, after the terrorist attacks. And it was, the, it was that Rice uh, Thursday night game. And um, this show is, is uh, you know, it goes into detail about everything that went into the production of that tunnel walk, which was so memorable with the first responders who came out in front of the team um, an emotional night i think for everybody who was there in that stadium it was not a televised game so it was more of um, an intimate setting if you can have that with with 80,000 people but it, it had that kind of a feel and you know i i remember um you know very um you know very clearly what that what that pregame was like more more, more memorable than the game for sure and um yeah, it's it's uh, it's worth checking out. You go, you get some Eric Crouch in there, um, some Jamal Lord in there. You know, he was from from New York City, and and you know had had really uh, some interesting thoughts uh, in the in the show that 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 are worth watching. You can you can hear me and and several others with uh, you know some some memories and and, and details about what what went into that day. Mitch Sherman's with us on Hale Bar City Radio, uh, Big Ten Network, uh, remembering Nebraska's tunnel walk as the 20th anniversary. The terrorist attacks are Saturday, of course, al- alternate uniforms honoring uh, first responders, men and women of the military uh, on Saturday for Nebraska. And uh, Mitch, that's, um, that's really cool that you were a part of this show, and it, it doesn't seem like 20 years to, to a lot of us. 
but uh, that that was there's been a lot of chilling moments in Nebraska football history, but that may be one of the most uh, like just imprinted tunnel walks ever. There's been big moments before big games, but that one with the first responders, you still you still think about it, don't you? Yeah, I was, I was just a young Omaha World Herald reporter, and um, you know, probably didn't have the best perspective as a twenty-something-year-old on on all that I was seeing in front of me at Memorial Stadium. But it was there was no trouble that day, understanding the, the significance of it. You know, it was it was a it was a uh, you know not the easiest day to, to walk into that stadium. There was some anxiety about what 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 could happen, what was going to happen, um, but you know, the strength that that Nebraska showed and, and that the people who were there and, and came out of the tunnel first uh, before the team, the strength that they showed, I think it, 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 um, it set an example for everybody there to follow. And, and you know, really Nebraska um, did its part to set an example for everybody in college football and in the sporting world to follow after that. So it was a memorable and really, really significant night in Nebraska football history. And I, I'm, it's, it's cool that BTN decided to do a show on it. Mitch, we'll uh, see you on Saturday. Thanks for the time today. Okay, thanks, Chris. Take right. care. You too. Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic, Hale Varsity Radio, and uh, can find Mitch on Twitter. At Mitch Sherman, good to hear from him. We are uh, about five minutes away from doing the old uh, plunge into the Arctic. Polar bear time. Nash Hutmacher got to see some snaps, about seven for him. People are like, all right, where's that polar bear from? And where's he at? Got some interior work on the defensive line. Our chat with the polar bear is next. Next hour, Jacob Padilla. And then a Tuesday with Kaz. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Nash Hudmarker with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Nash, uh, well, what do you usually do on Labor Day weekend before college? Was it a big grill day? Oh yeah, it was uh, big out on the river. Out on the river day for me. We live around the Missouri River, so it was out on the boat or just hanging out with friends, grilling, doing. I mean, just doing whatever. So, how do you do your walleye? Uh, we do it all kinds of different ways. My daddy's fried it, grills it, bakes it. I mean, we can do it. My favorite way, personally, is fried, but, I mean, we do it all kinds of different ways. Beer batter? Yep, yep, usually beer batter. That's a, that's a go-to. Well, how's, uh, how's camping going for you? How's uh, the progress uh, been for you as you continue to, to make your way? Um, camp, camp went really well for me. Um, just showing up every day, ready to go to work, uh, trying to get better every, every day. It's, uh, that's, that was my mindset the whole entire camp. And um, Coach, he's told me that I'm doing a tremendous job. But, I mean, that's, that's, you don't stop there. you got to keep working every single day, trying to get better. And um, the older guys in the room, they've been um, – They've been really support, or really helped me to become even better now that um, I'm starting to be in. The, I'm starting to get better. They just they want nothing more than for us, all the young guys, not even just me. All the young guys do um, get better every single day. Coach Tuioti, how's how's he continued to mentor and and help kind of hone technique and and what's being asked of you? Yeah, he's uh, he's helped a lot. He. Uh, 
just he just reminds me every day that um, I got to prepare like I'm, I'm going to be starting on a Saturday. He says you got to prepare just like these guys do, so that way when it's your time, when your number's called, that you're going to just roll right in there and it's going to be like nothing changed. It's going to be like the, another one of those older guys are out there. So that's kind of the mindset that I take into practice and the meetings and everything is just trying to soak all, all of it up and prepare like I am going to be the one that's starting on Saturday. When it comes to, to game speed and, and what you're you're seeing in practice versus game day, how, how has that transition been? Is it still uh, a work in progress? Is it slowing down? How do you, how comfortable are you? Um, I'm I'm starting to get more and more comfortable. I mean, more and more comfortable with each week. Um, getting out there, um, I got in seven snaps and. Um, I felt after the first couple, then I felt like, all right, this is, you know, it's the same speed as you get when you're going against our line in practice. You know, it's it's all the same blocks, same stuff. It's just now we're in front of 90,000 people. So when you think about it that way, to me, it just kind of helps slow it. I mean, it helps slow it back down, basically, instead of having it just feel like everyone's running around with their hair caught on fire and just stuff's moving. It's the same stuff you see in practice. There's no secret block. You know, all the blocks are always going to be the same, and um, that's kind of how I approach it. Is it? Does it feel overwhelming at first, though, with the crowd and the moment and stepping on the field, or is it easier to just kind of treat it like, well, it's just it's just football? Yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it is just football, right? But no, that first snap I went out there, I was, you know, fans going crazy. It was it was definitely. I wouldn't say overwhelming, but it just seemed it was a lot. And then after that first snap, then I was just like, all right, you know, it's just an, it's another day. Um, and that's all it is. Um, and so that's kind of how I thought about it. But, yeah, definitely, definitely that first snap, I was pretty nervous out there. So when it comes to Nash Hudmacher's with us here on Hale Varsity, so when it comes to, I guess, knowing to, how to and, and being able to play fast, but also, all right, here's the, the blocking scheme they're going to work against you. Take me through a little bit, if you can, that technique, the coaching that goes into the prep for Saturday with how an O-lineman may attack you. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a film thing. You know, you watch guys. Obviously, you can't get the exact look they're going to give you in practice, but it's you know you know what to expect when and you're watching the film. Um, like I said, there's no no secret block. It's all it's all really the same blocking schemes. You know, they might do it a little different, but at the end of the day, as long as you just play your man on key and play, do what you're supposed to do, you should be. I mean, you should be fine. Who have you gone up against uh, in practice that, that's kind of honed your skills and, and you've honed theirs? What's the uh, the competition been like for you in practice? Yeah, during fall camp, especially when I started getting some more reps against our one one guys, um, Cam Jurgens, Max Sichterman, um, all the interior guys. You know left right guards and cam jurgens those guys i mean that helps tremendously when you get to go against those better guys in practice just it helps you with the speed of the game helps you with um knowing what a starting lineman in the big 10 is going to feel like basically and so those those all those interior guys have helped me tremendously throughout camp and then now that we're into the season it's just keep working on the i mean the techniques and all that stuff to get it right so last thought here, Nash Hudmacher with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, when it comes to, to, to Buffalo, how much prep have you guys got in on? And, and overall, just the, the rotation, how, how good does it feel to have
of the amount of depth you have at your position group? Um, we do whatever. We just have, we're doing our normal prep, just like it's you know. Uh, Chen's always has nameless, faceless opponent, and that's how we approach it every week. Do everything right the, during the week, and then the depth in our position is awesome. It allows me to grow grow a ton instead of me just getting thrown out there when you know I, may, I might not quite be ready. Um, so the, those older guys having that depth have just helped me out a ton in my development, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Are, are you pretty? You seem. Well, obviously you want to play ball, but you seem pretty mature patience-wise, knowing that, all right, kind of biding my time, getting better versus, all right, jump into the deep end of the pool. Is that a bit comforting? Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, um, obviously I want to I want to get out there as much as I can, but it's, uh, you, sometimes you got to kind of know your role, and right now my role is that um, I feel that I'm that next guy up, and I, I know that um, those guys in front of me, they're great football players. Obviously they they, they put in time, and they they deserve that. And so I'm just I'm preparing every week like I'm going to be the guy getting out there for the start, and it, it's going to it's going to come if I keep doing what I've been doing, getting better. Last thought about wrestling: How have you been able to translate what you've done in wrestling and how successful you were with that to to, to football? And has it helped you uh, in in Big Ten play and in your time here at Nebraska? I mean, yeah, there's it definitely you can transition football to wrestling. It's it's obviously a lot different, but just um, body awareness, leverage, stuff like like that just I mean couldn't tell you how much it helps but it's definitely something that I feel like doesn't hurt anything having that background so it's uh it definitely definitely could help a lot or I, I mean I just I don't really know I guess no, that's fine conditioning wise though I guess uh yeah no uh, how crazy has conditioning been for you with with wrestling and how how does it compare to conditioning for football um it's just a lot different for football you know football you're running maybe on a play the max you're running is 10 yards whereas wrestling it's a six. We always thought of it as a six-minute sprint. So you, you just train different for each. You know, I went on a lot more longer runs here. It's just more sprints here. It's just um, so it's just it's the same amount of conditioning. It's just different kind of conditioning, basically. Nash, thanks for the time, man. Nice to spend time with you. Yeah, appreciate it. There's Polar Bear with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Good, uh, good insight there from uh, from Nash with where he's at in the rotation, uh, practice and prep. Like you're going to be the man. But also uh, some maturity there with knowing that there are guys that have uh, have earned it that are in front of me. And it's so important when guys feel ready versus they've got to learn on the job. They've got to be uh, a guy that gets thrown in there maybe a year before they're ready or want to go in from a physicality standpoint and a mentality. So Coach Tuioti's done a great job with what he has in a rotation, getting them coached up, and uh, that beer biter to walleye, I, I'm sure, tastes magnificent from uh, when Nash goes fishing on the river. Reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety. Uh, a quick timeout. We'll wind down hour one. Jacob Padilla, Coach Kaczynski out uh, on the way next hour. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from the Polar Bear and Mitch Sherman coming up in hour two. We will dive in. Dive in with Jacob Padilla. A lot of volleyball to get into. 
Huskers, Jays, and of course Utah this week. But good story from Jacob on Samari Toure. And uh, Jacob always goes fine-tooth comb with a specific uh, topic from the previous weekend's game. So passing attack is where we'll dive in and get some of Jacob's thoughts on the O-line as well. That's going to be an ongoing theme at Tuesday with Kaz, Rick Kaczynski. We are busy this week. Rick Pizzo, who's going to be in town, part of BTN, with us tomorrow. We'll also uh, catch up with uh, senior offensive analyst, longtime Nebraska assistant Ron Brown, get his take on that uh, that Thursday night 20 years ago against Rice with uh, uh, getting back into play uh, with uh, remembering 9-11. So uh, we may even sneak in a football question or two with Coach Ron Brown. Mike Babcock also. And don't forget, we are at The Graduate, another road show Friday, as Hale Varsity is going to be at the Single Barrel. Uh, you want to know about awesome steaks. And listen, man, uh, Dolman was with us. Cranack was with us. You want to talk about a group, right? You guys go sit in the corner and don't make eye contact with any of the patrons. No, in all seriousness, the, the steaks we had at Single Barrel, and it's Single Barrel's legendary anyway. But then you, you partner it and throw it in where the graduates at. It, it was just great, man. You had football fans from a lot of listeners, obviously, but you had football fans from Fordham and Nebraska fans and people throwing a whiskey or two because they've got over 250 to choose from. And then you say, uh, yeah, I want I want that. That being a, a 16-ounce New York strip. Uh, our, our friend Mark Cranack detailed just – the fact I did, I wasn't out of my mind, but there was a little meat left on the bone and I couldn't get it with the knife. So I, I, I had to roll my sleeves up. Well, I did, it's, it, if, you, if you can use your hands while eating ribs, why not use your hand to eat bone and uh, or get the rest of the meat off the bone if, if it's, a, if it's a, a, a New York strip? I see no issue with that. No, see, I, I'm with you. The only thing is, is like you're in a restaurant environment, but you're you're the you're the one paying for the food. Is the thing you've paid for it. You might as well, I mean, eat the food that you've ordered. Like if it's something at home, okay, I'll give that bone to the dog. Is that is, is that bad form for me <laughs> to to pick up a, a a bone on a bone in steak and just it's no different than fried chicken at a restaurant or or ribs. See, it's not like you're eating dinner. I wasn't grossing anybody out. I kind of turned and I kind of looked around <laughs> to make sure there was there was no... Make sure you weren't dining with the president. Well, right. <laughs> Just make sure people didn't drop their fork and spill their water and there were no horrific screams. What is this guy doing? I wasn't Jake or Elwood in the French restaurant. No, and the thing is, is I'm still standing by the fact that you have paid for all the meat that is on that steak. I'm not letting them throw any of that there was, away. There was a lot. Oh, there was a lot. It was, it was good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a picture of of. Well, I didn't take a picture because it didn't last long. I was hungry, but man, Elijah, you know those steak and beer beds how they've continued to accumulate. I think I. I yeah, I think I still owe you a good number. <laughs> I was gonna say I think I think I'm working my way back. But we're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the single barrel for a week straight, Elijah. We'll be good. <laughs> my wallet's already crying. Jacob Padilla's on the way. Hour two with Hale Varsity.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Good to have you in. It's hour two at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. So, Elijah Herbal's doing podcasts with Run the Damn Ball Guy. Connor Clark's got his podcast, Rockin' Weekly. Uh, Jacob Padilla does his podcast on Nebraska Preps with Damon Benning. And uh, that's just part of the fun you can have with the crew. Jacob, good to spend time with you. Nice to see you yesterday. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. It's uh a little bit more fun after a win, uh, no matter who the opponent is. <laughs> you are so right about that, and and we'll dive into some Nebraska thoughts and you know Samari Toure. I know that was your focus on HaleVarsity dot com, and really nice uh, story on Samari and and what he did. But Nebraska's offense, man, they just feast on big plays, and it looks a lot different for any offense, but specifically with what Coach Frost wants to do when you get some big plays going and you know i i love the uh the, the option element with with toure is kind of your your old school wing back going out as the pitch guy you fake the dive and then just getting him open in the slot as you look at toure's skill set i mean do you think it it translates to uh to being able to be a big time difference maker in the big 10 yeah that's the question that we still um have to determine it's very obvious that he's capable of dominating FCS competition. We saw it all last year, and we saw it on Saturday. He was pretty quiet in the first game, but he made a few nice plays. It wasn't like he was a complete non-factor, right. but um, they he only had three, uh, three catches uh, in the opener. So uh, Oliver Martin was a guy that kind of drew most of the targets from Adrian Martinez. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that um, target distribution works out. Um, over the next few weeks, hopefully Martin will be able to get back out there and they'll, they'll be at full strength. Um, and we'll kind of see there um, where uh, Toure kind of uh, ends up in, in terms of the hierarchy. But it, the, the skill set is certainly there. He's got good size. Um, he seems to, to fit well into kind of some of the gadget stuff they're using for him. He, he embraces um, that role of some of, the, some of the carries he's getting in that triple option um, some of the other stuff they're using uh, him for. And Matt Lubick talked about how he's kind of um, learning uh, on the fly in terms of the things they're asking him to do from a blocking perspective. Um, at Montana, they, they didn't really ask him to do a whole lot of that because he was just going out there and catching a pass every single uh, down, it seemed like. So um, he's still kind of figuring some things out. Uh, obviously, um, I think, he and Adrian Martinez kind of talked about the chemistry that they already have and the work they put in in the spring and how that carried over uh, into the fall. And we certainly saw that on Saturday. Martinez actually had some time uh, back there in the pocket, and he he missed uh, Toure in the end zone for uh, a touchdown mm-hmm. um, early on um, over there on the left side. Uh, if he had gotten that ball out a little bit quicker, I think he would have, uh, would have caught that for the touchdown. But outside of that, um, those two were on the same page all game long, and he's made some nice plays throughout the first two weeks. So, um, 17 targets, 11 receptions, uh, pretty good yardage total. So, I'm excited to see kind of 
um, his continued growth within this offense and the way Nebraska uses him. Jacob Padilla is with us. HailVarsity.com and Magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter is where you follow him. Jacob, a thought as as we go forward with the offensive line, and, and I've been talking to my different guests today, and really that's a focus we had with the reaction show as well. And, you know, I like running for three bills if I'm a Nebraska fan. I like the bodies I have. And I know Greg Austin was, was in front of the mic a little bit earlier as well, and they were able to, to get the adjustment and then the assignment and then go go create, <clears throat> excuse me, go produce quarters two, three, and four after a slower first start. You need faster starts, obviously, but you also need to, to get things uh, tweaked if, if there's an adjustment to be had. Um, with the offensive line, are you – are you? Do you think there's the the bodies and the talent there to settle, or is it just a matter of working through some kinks with the starters you've seen? How are you you juggling that here? What what at what point if you're Greg Austin do you make changes versus continue to chop wood with the guys you picked? Yeah, that's the question. Obviously, um, they're young at the tackle. Bryce Benhart played all last year, but. Um, this is his third year of uh, college football. His second time redshirt freshman. Um, Turner Corcoran, uh, second year freshman out there at the left tackle. And obviously he was working through some injury stuff mm-hmm. um, leading right up to the season. So I think that's kind of one where we have to um, wait and see in terms of um, evaluating him, let him kind of get back into the flow, get fully healthy, and get those reps back uh, kind of stacked up. Um, but along the interior, that's kind of where – um, like Ethan Piper in particular is a guy that's he played all last year. Um, he struggled a little bit, I think, in the first two weeks. He's a guy that you would like to see a little bit further ahead of where he is, and I think that's a position where um, he's going to have to continue to um, earn earn that start. Um, we've got uh, Brock Bando kind of um, relieved him for some snaps in the season opener. Um, Sounds like Bando was a little sick this last week and not available, but they had. Uh, Brant Bakes in there at guard, and um, sounds like that's kind of where Greg Austin sees him. Uh, they want to try to have him settle in. They needed him at tackle that first week with Turner's uncertainty, um, and now they feel good about that spot, and they kind of feel like um, Banks maybe could fit a little bit better at guard, so it seems like that's where he's going to start to focus more. Um, so those are a couple guys there that um, I think uh, have played football that uh, are going to be looking for uh, some snaps if uh, Piper and um, doesn't um, kind of pick it up a little bit, kind of figure some things out. Obviously, Sickerman is kind of first-time starter at the other guard spot. So um, I they, they've got some bodies. I don't net. Um, it was good to get the second unit playing time uh, in that in that game on Saturday. Just kind of get everybody out there and. Get a guy like Teddy Prochaska's feet wet, uh, get him some real live snaps for the first time as a true freshman, um, just see what they have there. Uh, get uh, Nuri Noelli and Ezra Miller out there, kind of the guys that transferred in and um, have kind of earned spots on the depth chart. So um, I, I think these next couple of weeks here, they, they've got to one, show progress, and then two, um, they really got to solidify all right, what's our best five? Uh, are these guys um, that w- that we picked to start the season? Are they 
are they, are they the best five? And um, are they going to continue to be able to hold down this job and get better as we go on? Because it's kind of a weird spot because they are pretty young as a unit. You just look at there isn't a single like actual senior on that offensive line, but um, that's also a little deceiving because of the the COVID eligibility stuff. Mm-hmm. So most of those guys outside of Corcoran, or all those guys outside of Corcoran, have been in the program uh, at least three years like, going on. So. Um, they are somewhat young, but they're, they're also not um, completely inexperienced. So um, th- that's probably the, the biggest source of concern, I'd say, um, through the first two weeks because a, a lot of their success was kind of just being bigger, stronger, and wearing um, Fordham down. And that's not going to happen against um, teams in the Big Ten. They're going to be just as big, just as strong, um, just as deep, if not deeper. So. Um, they're going to have to be able to win right up front without the added uh, benefit of um, kind of the fatigue and um, the, just the physical mismatch. So um, that's going to be the biggest thing that I'm going to be watching against Buffalo. All right, are these guys ready to play right out the gates? Um, and can they hold their own? Because we haven't seen quite enough of that just yet. Jacob Bedell is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Jacob, over the next couple of weeks, what do you think the, the bigger question mark is in your mind? Is it who's going to be the starting five along the offensive line, or is it going to be uh, who's going to be the guy getting the, the lion's share of the carries at the running back position? No, I, I don't think it's as big of a – I don't think the line is uh, a big question mark. I think we know who the five are. It's just can those guys hold on to it and how long before we do see um, if they can't, do we see that change. But I think – um, we're going to continue to see these five guys for the next couple of weeks unless somebody just doesn't flat out get the job done. Um, the, the running back situation is, again, kind of um, – I think that's as much tied to uh, the offensive line as, a, as well, though. Um, I think those guys I, – I haven't – one way or the other, uh, I think it's been a little tough to evaluate. Um, there are times where guys are getting tackled as, um, as soon as they get the ball, and there are others where guys are kind of – making the wrong reads, and they've got some openings that they miss. Um, and, again, the, the kind of carry totals are spread out. Um, obviously, Irvin got carry, more carries in week one than he did two. Stepp got more in two than he did week one. Um, I think Marquis Stepp showed, um, had some really nice runs. He ran hard. Um, and, honestly, you look at that, um, kind of just the yards per carry average for their backs, all the kind of guys that you consider more the power backs, are the guys that uh, average five yards a carry or better. Um, that's Steph, that's Marvin Scott, that's uh, Jock Hesiant. Um, I think Sevian Morrison and uh, Dave Irving, you kind of look as more of the kind of all-around type of backs. Um, and both those guys were under four yards a carry. Um, same with Ramir Johnson. Um, so that's still kind of a good – I think that was a case of, hey, we're just going to – um, take the ball and run these guys over to a certain degree. Um, and I don't know how much that is replicable uh, against better competition, um, at least the same way they did it. So I still have a question. I like what I saw from Steph. I still have a question about um, not just him, just kind of the whole overall backfield. Is, uh, is Irvin kind of learning from um, the, the experience, these snaps that he's getting? He's struggled a little bit at times, it seems, to, to make the reads. And, again, the offensive line hasn't helped him out. Um, the, the the longest run of the day came from Toure. Um, so he was the only one that topped 20 yards. Uh, um, so there wasn't a whole lot of explosiveness with those running backs. Um, so I, I think it's still uh, a significant question mark for this team in terms of all right, who who is the best option? And 
how many carries do you want to get that guy? Do they have somebody that gets 18, 20, 22 carries um, and can produce like Steph did uh, on Saturday against Fordham? Um, again, FCS, so it's a little bit different. Um, so I, I think that's probably uh, the biggest question mark on offense outside of the offensive uh, line performance. I, I think we know personnel um, to a certain degree. It's just are those guys going to step up? And with the with the running back, I don't really I don't really know how to make sense of it just yet. Get in line. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're we're just still trying to figure out rotation, and somebody gets going well, and then all right. What what else do you need to do to be that air quote hot back right and and then yeah. you get uh, you get a, a different back in the backfield to do work. What's encouraging, even though it was Fordham, is Nebraska like stuck to the run and they had a good a, a great mix. I mean, run pass it was wonderful, but you want to see Nebraska be able to to commit to the run game and then not scare off the play caller. Because they can't run it, or there's there's some question yeah. mark about it. We'll see against Buffalo. Jacob, I've got a couple of minutes left. I want to go to volleyball here, and your takeaways with the Huskers last weekend, and, and Coach Cook was right on the money with his take on on UNO Creighton and Nebraska. What what a what a proud volleyball state! But Creighton and uh, and and Nebraska tomorrow night at CHI. You'll be there front and center for it, and of course Utah also looms and. Uh, what do you think of, of Nebraska's momentum right now? Yeah, the, uh, the that's kind of a big question in this. It's, it's a significant step up in competition from what they face. Um, and, and Nebraska's just kind of been trying to figure things out for the first two weeks. And I don't know that they have things figured out heading into the, the, this match against Creighton tomorrow. Um, and we we just saw what Creighton did at the reigning champions uh, ran them off their own floor. Um, so um, I think Nick Haynes getting back uh, healthy and into a rhythm uh, is a big part of that. Um, she looked really good down the stretch after missing the first week and kind of working through some rest early in the weekend. Um, now she's back, and I think that'll help Cook and the team kind of figure out their outside hitter situation because all five of those players, um, you got three freshmen and then um, two upperclassmen, um, they've had their moments, but I don't know that any of them have been uh, consistent, and that's kind of what Cook is sorting through. Um, I think it's the biggest question mark. It's, all right, who, who are my best three? And once I determine that, is there a role for the other one or two um, kind of working into the rotation uh, conjunction with um, getting got, uh, players like um, Kenzie Knuckles and Keanu Iacana, uh reps in the back row throughout the rotation. So, um, there's still a lot of questions that I think John Cook is trying to answer with his team, um, but I think he's excited about it. Just kind of the 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 depth they have is something that they haven't really had um, in the last few years, and it makes a big difference in practice. And that's kind of where things start. So um, I think we'll start to see Nebraska pare down the rotation a little bit over these next couple of weeks as they they work towards the Big Ten opener, but. In order for that to happen, somebody's got to step up and really kind of uh, lock down those jobs, and that hasn't just that just hasn't happened quite yet. Jacob, about uh, thirty seconds. I know you you have a great pulse on Creighton volleyball as well. And what are some keys, and how does Nebraska not get stung tomorrow night, or is there a yeah. chance of that? About a minute here. Yeah, um, I think the players to watch are both freshmen. 
Kendra Waithers Setter um, has been terrific um, coming in as a true freshman, impact of the, impacting the game in a lot of different ways. She can dig, she can attack, and she's uh, setting that offense at a high level. And then North Sith, um, out of Papillion La Vista, has been their leading attacker as a, as a true freshman. She's club teammates with Lindsey Krause. Those two are really close friends. And she's just been absolutely phenomenal uh, to start the season. Um, both teams only have three players that were on the team the last time the two sides squared off at CHI Health Center. And that was a five-set classic where Nebraska came back and won the last three um, to, to fend off the upset bid. So um, Mikhail Secchi was playing that, that match, though. So uh, they don't necessarily have a Mikhail Secchi on the team right now. So they're going to have to need or they're going to need uh, a few different players to step up and um, I think this should be a phenomenal match uh, at, at, um, up there in Omaha today. Well, we'll be, we'll be reading you, Jacob. Thanks for the time today. Awesome insight, bud. All right. Thanks. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Rick Kaczynski, coach Nebraska and Iowa. Our Tuesday chat with Kaz. Kaz, what's good? A full uh, weekend of football. Did you get the grill fired up at all over the holiday? <laughs> yeah, I didn't get the grill fired up a whole lot. Uh, my, my wife did a little cooking uh, on uh, on Sunday, so I had to work a little bit. Uh, had to work a little bit into the end of the month off, so uh, I was working most of the day Saturday. So they went up to uh, up to Lake Kiowa, up on the uh, South and North Carolina border. While I worked, so so not a whole lot of grilling, but uh, able to catch some some ball on my phone and and some ball on tv when i got home well who is most impressive this weekend uh bama a strong candidate clearly but also uh you're fighting irish man what a what a what a what a job to save that they were up then they were tied and then they wanted an ot and uh they had some good good play and that was that, i can't imagine uh that early in the year uh playing in that environment i mean it, it's awesome but man you want to talk about uh having to respond uh, big win by the irish yeah well anytime you you can go on the road especially at night in an environment like that come out with w uh it, it tells you a lot about your football team especially early on in the season so you know they were they were faced with uh, a lot of adversity with a lot of new faces and it, it wasn't perfect by any means defense has a lot of things to clean up i uh, got to get that running game going but you know that was uh, a Florida State team with some some talented dudes on there, and uh, that was a, that was a great win. You know to be up, to be down, to be tied, and, and then to pull it out in the end and on the road at night. Um, you know, Coach Bowden, ceremony and tribute. So you you had the perfect storm for a Florida State victory, and it was nice to see. Nice to see Jack Cohn and and uh, big tight end. Yeah, he had guys making making plays and. I think when you look at you look at the whole weekend, um, that's that's what really separates. You know, Alabama's completely by themselves on a, on a tier, and then you, you kind of have another tier. I think uh, you know, with Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia. You know, I guess you can throw in Notre Dame for for now, and then, and then and then you really have a, about a hundred teams that are kind of in the same boat that depending on how they play that weekend, how they execute and how they prepare, anybody can beat anybody. 
for for the most part. So, uh, but when you when you when you look at the difference between those those two top tiers of, of college football teams, it's a they got playmakers. You know, they got long guys. You can throw the ball up, and they make plays. You got guys that can take a uh, a five yard slant and go the distance, or run a nine route and uh, and run past somebody. You, you got you got guys in the middle that can wreck shop that you can't block one on one. You got guys on the edge on defense that 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 can disrupt the pass disrupt the thrower anytime he drops back and, and everybody has a running back on those teams. I mean, you, you look at those teams this weekend and you got, you got NFL running backs. And I think that's, what's really, really separates, uh, you know, the, the, the great, the good, and then kind of everybody else. I'm not saying that everybody else doesn't have that, but I think those, those are the teams that, that do it consistently have been doing it consistently um, over the years. So um, yeah, man, just, Great weekend for ball. Great win for uh, great win for Notre Dame. You can. It's always a lot easier correcting your mistakes after a W. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Kaz, you had some teams uh, escape by the hair on their chinny chin chin. Iowa State just a six point win against Northern Iowa. Uh, you had Tulane uh, was a, a fourth down conversion away. A continuing a drive only down by five at Oklahoma and OU was up uh, by a large amount for a while and uh, then you had Montana Sting Washington and the the other game that that was really kind of intriguing and I want your take on this was was Iowa I thought Iowa would win I picked them but they uh, they annihilated uh, what we thought was a pretty good Indiana team and Indiana can still be pretty good but man you mentioned the running back spot that, that hurt some teams. Indiana's in search, and Penix, who's been dynamite against some of the best. Man, Iowa played great ball, and, and they were great on offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah, I, well, you know, I, I, caught, uh, I caught probably the first half of, uh, of that Iowa game. Uh, you know, obviously didn't – anytime you turn the ball over, you give mm-hmm. them pick six, you, you know, you're, you're behind the eight ball right from the start. You know, Panix is – he's uh, near, not even close to being the, the same player, and then they couldn't, they couldn't get it going on the ground. And then Iowa's first touchdown, uh, I think it was Goodson. You know, he's another, he's another great, great back, you know, when, that, when you put on college football on, uh, on the weekends – you know, one of those guys that kind of looks a little bit different mm-hmm. than uh, than some other dudes getting uh, getting the handoffs. But it was just, you know, you and I, Schmidt quite frankly, we we probably could have got five to seven yards the way Indiana <laughs> played on that first touchdown. I think you're good, yeah. not me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the, the way they played that was uh, was completely completely un- unsound. Um, and you know, they had the the corner was the force player. He ended up. Inside the outside blocker, safety was nowhere to be found, and you know uh, all uh, all the D linemen on at the point of attack got reached. I mean, it was about as it was about as bad as it could get at the point of attack, and obviously Iowa had something to do with that. But uh, you know, I think you know, I think Iowa too. You come out of that game as poorly as Indiana played. I uh, don't want to take anything away from Iowa, but you know, you're going to find out a lot more about Iowa this weekend when they go on the to road to Iowa State. Um, you know, I don't get caught up 
you know, when you're playing really good FCS programs, you know, Montana's that they're a dangerous team always. I, I didn't expect that from Washington. I, I obviously didn't see any of that game. I just saw the score was a little bit shocked. Um, but you know, you Northern, Northern Iowa, you know, that's always a dog fight. I, I was, you know, the year we won, went 11 and two and went to the orange bowl at Iowa. We opened up with them in 2009, had to block two field goals at the last uh, two consecutive field goals, blocked them, uh, to, uh, to come out of there. I mean, they, they played better. They deserved to win. They were, they were coached better. I mean, we were just lucky. So, you know, when it comes to Iowa, Iowa state and you and I kind of throw those things out. Ames is a tough place to play if when you're at nebraska when you're at iowa because those are two teams that they want to beat um the crowd will be crazy it'll be loud uh and and you'll you'll see a you'll see a different team but the thing is I, iowa knows that you know iowa knows that you know you're gonna look at that uni tape and say yeah that ain't the team we're gonna see saturday so but yeah you know i think Schmitty, though too you know with those examples that you, that you talked about with you know oklahoma you know hey they won they won and Tulane Tulane's got they got some talented guys man they got a talented quarterback and they played hard but it's it's real easy man to to fix some things off of uh, off of a W mm. so um so you know they escaped with they escaped with a W they're still a talented football team you know good teams and good staffs they get those things corrected you know especially from from week one to week two mm-hmm. uh, the most important thing is winning the football game and when you look over a 12-week season, all kind of crazy stuff happens, man. All kind of. So what, what you what you'd rather have is your crazy stuff happen in week one when you got an opportunity to fix it, instead of you know week five, week seven, week eight when there's more on the line and, and you drop in the polls and mm-hmm. you know and you drop in in the bowls and all those when when the losses kind of mean a little bit more. So the most important thing coming out coming out with a uh, coming out with the W and and making those making those corrections and probably for a team what you don't want to be is the team that's going to play a team like Oklahoma in week two because they got humbled right their coaches are going to be on them and uh you know that, that was probably some good medicine so what you don't want to probably be is the team that's playing oklahoma <laughs> week two right now so but yeah but you know i mean hey that that's football kind of indiana uh, i didn't put a whole lot of stock in indiana because one you know you gotta you gotta do it for a long time right i mean you know one year two years i mean i, I guess you can say two years but you know i I just haven't seen that yet. You know, mm-hmm. there's still Indiana and that's, that's, that, you know, it's, I'm not, uh, it's not a disparaging comment to Indiana, but historically it just haven't had that type of success. So I wasn't quite as fired up about Indiana coming into the season as, as everybody else was. And then when you come off an injury like that, it's, it, it takes time to come back, not just physically, but the whole mental part of it. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Kaz going to spend some time on Nebraska. Nebraska didn't have a great first quarter. They uh, played better as the game went on. Uh, some younger guys got a chance to get in. So uh, that's good to, to see live bullets. But we're still wondering, you know, what Nebraska's offensive line 
Ryan's going to be just because you look at the last couple of weeks. And, and listen, they ran for 300 yards. They, they kind of dialed in more to a, a rushing attack, which was good to see. Okay, Fordham's Fordham, obviously, uh, despite the, you know, just get out of there with a win. You want to be able to dominate somebody at a lower level. And, and now uh, to kind of bring this full circle, you got Buffalo and Maurice Lindquist coming in, who's uh, got a pretty pretty long history of of coaching at some different spots was at Michigan was going to be Harbaugh's co-coordinator defensively and then took the Buffalo gig but uh, from what you may have seen with Nebraska uh, compliments and concerns here a couple of, of, of each well, I think you know. One, you, you look at you look at Nebraska did what they were supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think two. The other thing that was impressive is is the crowd. I I was uh, I was watching it on my phone at work, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, I was expecting to see some empty seats. So that was um, that was that was a credit to the fans and and the Trev and and everybody in Nebraska just coming out showing their support. Uh, you know, that's exactly what what the team needed. I'm sure the team fed off that a little bit. Seemed like a great environment in there a lot of a lot of energy just great to see people back in in memorial stadium and uh, i think probably up until last year you know you take those things take those things for granted so it's great to see people back out there credit to uh, all the husker fans coming out because you know quite frankly after week one i i, I thought for sure that there was going to be be a lot of seat a lot of uh, a lot of people dressed as empty seats on uh, on the tv when when the game came on so so I think you look at that, and, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of lot of positives. Nebraska did what what they were supposed to do to a team like that. Uh, I don't think they went backwards. I think they improved in some areas. Uh, it's better than going against yourself. Mm-hmm. But you know, going into this Buffalo game, I think Nebraska has a better idea about who they are, what they need to work on than Buffalo does. I know Buffalo played Wagner, you know, small school from you know upstate New York there. Um, you know, Buffalo didn't find out a whole lot by playing by playing Wagner. I can I can tell you that. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Couple more minutes with Kaz on Hale Varsity Radio. Buffalo still got to go. It's still a road game. Anytime you go on the road in college football, man, it's 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 tough to win. Uh, you're gonna have a lot of kids that never been in an environment like Memorial Stadium. Um, so, you know, obviously that's uh, home field's got to be an advantage. But, you know, Nebraska players have to make that thing an advantage. You have to find a way to get the crowd involved. You know, that's the, that's the players and the coaches' responsibilities to get the fans engaged. Um, but, you know, a couple things I didn't like just, just watching, you know, early on, you can't, you can't afford to start slow against good football teams. And, you know, that's going to come back to bite you. You know, you got to get people on their heels. Uh, you got to come out hitting people in the mouth. Uh, you know, so the, just the, the slow starts. Obviously, the, uh, you know, the, the punt return game. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, you just, you just got to find a guy to catch the football right now. Because the concerning part of it uh, for Cam, you know, Cam's a, he's a captain, he's a leader. There's very few times in college football where you're out there on an island, you know, one field goal kicker, two, you know, returning punts like that. So what you don't want to do is take a kid's moxie and in his confidence away by putting him back there and and him just thinking about that 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 taking you know him burning energy with the anxiety of of worrying about making a mistake. So. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I think they got to find somebody else to do that because I think eventually what that's going to start doing is affecting Cam's play and Cam's ability to lead and Cam's uh, ability to be that vocal leader that, that they obviously need from, from an older guy. Um, you know, the, the, the other thing that, that was a little bit uh, concerning that showed up in week one that you also saw in week two uh, early on in that game was you know, a lot of routes were uncontested. You know, there were some easy catches by, by Fordham. Um, when you go back and you look at Illinois, quarterback starts off 11 for 12. When those balls were completed, there there wasn't a lot of defenders, you know, on on receivers' backs. There wasn't a lot of defenders, you know. There, uh, you know, bang bang plays. You didn't see that. You know, they were pretty pretty clean throws and and pretty pretty clean catches. So, you know, that that's something that uh, that Nebraska's got to get a little bit better about. I think moving forward, if they want to have a successful season, but they did what they did. Uh, got a lot of people in the game. You didn't have those opportunities last year with the shortened season, and you didn't have those opportunities a couple years ago because you play in so many tight games. Mm-hmm. So it's great, and it's it just does wonders uh, for the future for these guys where they can run out on the field. They know what it's like to run out in front of 90,000 people and play. So you're going to have a lot of kids that are playing over the next two years that um, that will know what, that, what that's like. You know, it's, it's – uh, so that's a that's a good thing, just getting that experience and and then getting kids out there, whether it's Fordham or whether it's Michigan or or whether it's Ohio State, when you get there out on the field and you know you get hit in the chin and you make a tackle or you make a block or you you know or you get tackled, um, you're like okay, you you I can do this, and I think I think guys have this enlightenment. And, they learn to block out the crowd. They learn how to block out everything else and concentrate on, on their assignment and their job and their keys. So I, I think, you know, you just can't put a, uh, that's the only way you can't simulate that mm-hmm. in practice. So I think, you know, getting those kids on the field will pay dividends, maybe not this year, but for a lot of guys that, uh, that Nebraska will be counting on as playmakers next year. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Hail varsity radio Tuesdays with Kaz. Kaz last thought, uh, 20 years uh, since the terrorist attacks. We remember 9-11. We'll remember it at Memorial Stadium. And uh, where were you in your, your football life uh, 20 years ago? Yeah, well, we were getting ready to play Urban Myers Bowling Green Falcons. It was in South Carolina. I was at GA. I remember I was sitting in, uh, sitting in the corner of the room, and our strength coach, Pat Moore, came in and said a plane hit the – plane hit the uh, one of the towers in in new york and you know they we thought it was just pilot error at that point and then coach holtz came in we had our staff meeting we were in our offensive game planning and he came in and he said they hit the second building and said we're under attack and we just all kind of sat there in silence had our video guy come up and put the tvs on and uh you know, I mean, quite frankly, we we just kind of sat there and, and and looked at one another. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of chatter. You you really couldn't believe what was going on. Um, there was there was one point me and the other GA. You know, that night we were on the phone talking about once we figured out what happened. Talked about joining the service, and you know, we were some angry dudes. And you had a you had a you had an angry staff. You had an angry country, and uh, you had a hurt hurt country, but. 
you also had a united kind country and but you know just kind of like you know the the you know my father's generation you know with 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 pearl harbor my grandparents generation with pearl harbor and my father's generation with with john f kennedy unfortunately it's one of those times where you and i are going to know until the day we die where we were when when that happened and it's just amazing that it was that it was that it was 20 years ago and uh unfortunately we're not quite as united as we were 20 years ago and uh shouldn't have to take something like that to pull us together but man i i, I could i could tell you what i was wearing Schmidt. Mm. i remember it to uh member to the t and I remember going back to uh my apartment that night once they uh, once they canceled our games and you know talking you know talking to my parents and then just looking up internet was still relatively you know quite not it wasn't quite as advanced as it is now so you know kind of pulling up maps and you know trying to figure out where we're where we're going where we're going to have this fight where these folks were from and and why they did us to us so Mm -hmm. wasn't a whole lot of sleep wasn't a whole lot of talking just a whole lot of thought and uh, you know unfortunately just a just a terrible time for america that that blossomed into uh some great unification mm-hmm. and i'll tell you one one cool thing was we were uh we were the first college game we were the first college game uh after after 9-11 we went down to starkville on the following thursday and played mississippi state down there and it was it was pretty dang cool man and they had both teams on the field we had an american flag you know in my mind i swear it covered the whole field It was probably like 25 yards but in my mind it's mm-hmm. uh so it felt like it covered the whole field and <laughs> you, you'll have this this typical starkville so we they asked for a moment of silence and uh you know i think there was probably about fifty thousand people they had a really good team Jackie Sherrill was there. Joe Lee Dunn's the coordinator. You got Lou Holtz on our sideline. First, first college football game, primetime ESPN Thursday night. They asked for a moment of silence. And during the moment of silence, some Mississippi State Bulldog fan says, go to hell, Ben Laden, go to hell. The place just went nuts. So <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, I could hear that guy's voice just ringing in my head. I, I'll get, I'll get calls. I'll get calls from guys that were on that staff 20 years ago. That's, that'll be the first thing. That'll be the first thing they say when I pick up the phone. Go so. to hell, Ben Laden. <laughs> <laughs> Moment of silence and someone just pipes up, just couldn't uh, hold it in. In the place just, with nuts cowbells ringing you know uh, fans going crazy so so it, it was a it was a it was a short moment of silence <laughs> jeez guys thanks for your memories man thanks for uh, talking some ball we'll do this again next week absolutely thank you brother and now and now back to hail varsity radio Good stuff as you look at Pro Football Focus's numbers that are out. And Deontay Williams, the best grade of any safety in college football over the weekend, a 90, a 9-0. Good for him as uh, Nebraska football. Heard from Coach Kaczynski there, an extended sit-down as we have our Tuesdays with Kaz. So this Thursday, I think we'll check in with Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, Gary Barnett with us. Uh, hopefully a Searles sighting tomorrow. Don't want to miss 
uh, senior offensive analyst. He's still coach, right? Although he's not on field, not doing any of that stuff because he can't. But Ron Brown will be with us, his thoughts on Husker Ball. And, of course, he was uh, an assistant uh, when uh, Nebraska played Rice just days after the terrorist attacks. So we'll get coaches' memories on that. Uh, got the BTN show tonight. Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network, Big Ten Buffet, and a, a Mike Babcock sighting. So we're going to get in touch with the Pirate again. Coach Leach will be with us here in the near future. But as only Coach Leach can do, delivering a, an honest <laughs> assessment of his team, Mississippi State rallied from 20 down, one thirty-five, thirty-four over Louisiana Tech. Here's the Pirate, some good, bad, and ugly with his Bulldogs. Well, Coach, congratulations. You just pulled the biggest comeback in school history, down by 20 in the fourth quarter. What sparked the turnaround? Well, I didn't know it was the biggest comeback, so I'm glad we had it. But uh, uh, that's, I guess, about the best thing I can say about it. I think the biggest thing that sparked the turnaround they all say people make changes when they hit rock bottom, and I thought our group hit rock bottom because uh, a few series prior to that on offense and defense, both we tried to quit, and then uh, and then you know decided we had nothing left, so we were going to go ahead and battle through it for a quarter. Then you never know what's going to happen. Funny things happen happen in sports, and of course uh, uh, the Red Sox coined the phrase "Why not us?" So. In this case, I mean, nobody had a dental appointment, a study hall, so we decided we finally, after three quarters, decided we were finally going to just play football, do our job, but do the best we could. And, you know, it's kind of explosive on all sides of the ball when you do that. I have to credit offense, defense, special teams, all three sides contributed to that win. Uh, We also uh, got exposed to how bad we can play. So, anyway, I think... uh, Bottom line, uh, in particular, start with me. Um, we have to coach better. You know, we can't have these spots where, you know, we think about giving in. And I thought there was too much of that. But I'm really proud of these guys sticking in there. I mean, we had a great off season, had a great camp, but all that's in the past. So, you know, we need to uh, try to make uh, four quarters look a little bit like that fourth quarter did. Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach, congratulations on the comeback. 1-0 to start the season. Enjoy the win. All right. Well, thanks a lot. So last time we had Pirate on, he was playing Name That Tune with about 14 cowbells in his office. Elijah, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know, it was the biggest comeback in school history, but we were going to quit. Then they didn't have anything better to do, so we tried to win. His teams have come out slow, and he has lit his teams up, but they've always responded. He picks the right spot to do it. After last season, oh, sorry, after, after last season, uh, good to see him getting some wins at least. No, yeah, they had the LSU moment and then kind of went away. Back at you on a Wednesday tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity. Thanks for listening.